Back in the summer, I got a chance to go to Bulgaria, and this was a trip that I'd wanted to take for a few years, and I've got some pictures kind of flashing through. I'll tell you why I have a picture of the bathroom here in a minute. Uh, but uh, the, the one picture there with a the car parked in front, that's the church in Bulgaria. And I wanted to tell you about that because you guys have had a part in helping to provide and fund for that church for many years. One of our elders, actually, uh, Robert Brock, uh, was a missionary there at one point. And Robert uh, has a love, as you can imagine, still for that, uh, that area. He still goes back there every year. And I went back uh, with him this past summer. Uh, but that church is just a small church, and it uh, used to be uh, an old police station. Back in the day when uh, Bulgaria was under communist rule, that was the police station. Uh, and uh, so when they uh, pulled out and built another station, I guess, uh, it became a church. So that is really, really cool. And through the years, they've had to refit that building to make it usable for a church. The reason why the bathrooms are there is um, the Orthodox Church in Bulgaria has a lot of power and they felt a little threatened by this uh, church. And so they uh, helped them pass a law saying that if you didn't have bathrooms in your church, you had to shut your church down. So you guys, a few years ago, provided the resources to build bathrooms to keep that church open. Probably never knew that. Uh, but, but your giving, that, that's one thing that you did. Uh, there's also a picture of the, well, there it is right there, the auditorium. Uh, you guys helped provide the flooring to make that nicer. Um, this, the money that we took with them this year, with us this year, uh, they're going to be using that to uh, put some insulation to kind of lower the ceiling, insulate it, uh, because their heating bills are so expensive they can't hardly afford to pay them. So they really use the money very, very wisely. The other thing I wanted to tell you about is one year uh, when Robert took the money down, they went into the basement of that building. Uh, guys, remember I told you that this was the, the police station, and back during uh, Soviet rule, uh, the KGB used the basement of that police station for interrogation. And you can imagine what that was like. But from your, with your help, uh, they took that basement and made it a children's area. So that's kind of amazing, isn't it? So that's what you guys got a chance to do. So I, I want to tell you, you know, we see it as an act of obedience, which is exactly what it is. But what we don't always see is the other side of what happens to that money that we give on a weekly basis. So I want to thank you all for that. Thank you for letting me get away a few weeks and sharing in Bulgaria. They have an awesome minister who loves the Lord, loves the church, is doing a great job. So around the other side of the world, some incredible things are happening, and all because of your giving. So thank you again for that. Well, today uh, we're, going to be, uh, we're going to be at the end of the end. Uh, and we've been in a series for a few weeks now called The End, and today is the last message, so we're kind of at the end of the end. And I'm glad you're here to join us in this, because this is, a, this is a topic that, you know, we've gone through several weeks. We've talked about heaven. We've talked about hell. Last week, we talked about judgment. Today, we're going to be talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is amazing. It's something we don't think about a lot, but it really is going to mark the end of this world. And we also said that, remember, that the end of this world is just the beginning of eternity. So everything that happens here is just a blip on the timeline. I mean, it's just so small. Even, even 2,000 years of, since Jesus uh, uh, you know, was here on the earth, and, and then however many thousands or millions or whatever years it were before that of creation, whatever you subscribe to, uh, the reality is, is that's only a blip on the timeline of eternity. So it's just the very, very beginning. And so we're going to wrap that up today by talking about the second coming. And then next week, 
uh, we're going to begin a new series called Living the Dream. You know, I love that phrase. People throw that out. It probably means different things to different people, but we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about, you know, what it means to live the dream. It usually has something to do with money a little bit uh, or what you have in life. We're going to talk about four um, principles and four practices about having uh, better financial health, what the Bible says about money. It says a ton about money. So I hope you'll come back and share with us. But but in today, I'm going to wrap this up about the second coming. And I'm, I was really hoping that you didn't want me or expect me to come up and tell you everything, every little detail that's going to happen about when Jesus comes back. You know, I'm really kind of envious uh, of other guys who have that all figured out, you know. I mean, I've seen charts and timelines and events and lines drawn and every, all this stuff. And everything that happens is pointing to this and that. You know, I see those things and I, and I hear them and I'm like, wow, I believe that because that really sounds feasible and logical. It sounds like that could happen. And all these things that are happening all around us, that's got to be an end of time event. But here's the thing I discovered after a lot, of, a lot of messages and a lot of charts and a lot of theories is that nobody has it all figured out. <laughs> Nobody's got it figured out. You know, about the time you think, oh, they got it, they got it nailed, then you realize, no, they don't know either. And in fact, the Bible, you know, tells us, leaves it with it being deliberately vague because we're not supposed to know all of that for a couple of reasons. There's a danger, I think, in being obsessed with end-of-time events. And the danger is that we can get so consumed with those things that we don't live in the here and now, and we're not faithful. In fact, I think Satan is thrilled when he can get our attention fascinated on something that we don't know about, that we're guessing about, and, and we get so distracted from the momentary living and doing what God's called us to do that, that we just get confused. And sometimes people get frustrated as well. And we're going to discover there's a lot of things that we don't know about the end of time. But there are a ton of things that we do. And so I'm going to spend my time talking today about the things that we can know for sure about Jesus' return. And there's two things I want to start with, two things that Jesus left us with that he said to do until that moment. Number one is... Do business till Jesus comes back. Do business till Jesus comes back. In Luke chapter 19, I think this is so interesting. It says, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They thought 2,000 years ago it was going to be right then, immediately. Can you imagine if someone had slipped up and said, hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> It's going to be at least 2,000 years before this happens. And that would have blown them away, wouldn't it? But 2,000 years later, and we're not there yet, it's been a long time. They thought it was immediate. And so Jesus said, because people are confused and they always think it's going to be this moment, let me give you a parable about what to do while you wait. And so let's pick it up. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 mina. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Now, mina was about two and a half years' salary. So, so in our day and age, this could be what, like $100,000, $150,000, depending on what you make. But if you make forty grand a year, which is low probably, $150,000, that's a lot of money to hand somebody and say, now I want you to go and do something good with this. Go and use it because I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you what you did while I was gone. Those were the servants. We can apply that as to you and I, who are serving him, right? But, but the king also had enemies. But his subjects hated him, and they sent a delegation after saying, him, after saying, we don't want this man to be our king. But he was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money. 
in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. The second one came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And then he said to those standing by, take this mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, that they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more, has more will be given, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So what we have here is, is a picture of judgment day. You can kind of see it shaping up here. The judgment day, the servants who are obedient are rewarded. Remember last week we said that we're rewarded according to our works. We're not saved by our works, but we are, we're saved by the grace of God, but we're going to be rewarded by our works. And these servants who were faithful on different levels receive different rewards. But then the enemies are destroyed because the next verse says, but those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. So it did not end well with the enemies of God or the enemies of the king, which is what we learned about judgment last week. But what we also learn is that some of these servants were so worried and so focused on the return that they forgot to be faithful while the master was gone. And that's a warning, I think, today to us to say, you know what, we can look at end-of-time events and, and warnings and Scripture. We can study all of that. But what Jesus really wants us to do is to do business for him while he is gone. You know, our mission as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. We believe that the love of God compels us to love other people and love him so much that we want to be followers of Christ. We want to become faithful disciples, and we want to make other people the same way. So that's kind of our mission as a church. But I was thinking also that we have a mission as individuals, our part of the mission, the church's mission, but we also have a mission here to, to be good citizens and to be obedient in this world in which we live today, to live a Christian life, to model that to everybody else. And you know what? That is difficult at times. It's difficult. A little bit later, we're going to see some of the things, the pressures that we'll face as, as believers in, in this day and age and end times. But we also see it's hard because we have, to, we have to do things that are difficult, and we have to use discernment and wisdom. You know, right now, uh, we're in a tough season in our nation, right? We're in this election. And what a horrible time that we're in. I mean, we have two very flawed candidates here. We're trying to figure out you know, what to do. And I would encourage you to do two things. I want to call you to do two things in the next few weeks. Number one is pray like crazy, to pray like crazy for our nation. You know, we might have a hard time figuring out how could God use this whole scenario. But I'll remind you that God used wicked people in the Bible to do his will, sometimes to punish his people. God used a donkey one time to do his will. So God can use anybody, anything, all right? So we need to pray, pray hard. And number two, we need to vote. We do. We need, to, we need to know the issues. We need to know the values of what people believe and, and not just be gullible and not just pull one lever or whatever. You need to know the, the, the issues and, and pray and ask God for discernment. 
I don't know if I've ever seen a time that we needed more wisdom in knowing what to do in this election. So I want to encourage you to pray and do your duty. Be a faithful believer. God's given us a great nation. We're struggling at times. But I encourage you to be faithful because God's left you here on this earth to do business for him. You know, if not, he would just beam us up into heaven whenever we get saved. That'd be easier, wouldn't it? But that's not what he does. He leaves us here to occupy and to do business. The second thing that Jesus said I want you to do while you're waiting is that I want you to not get sidetracked or distracted. Do not get sidetracked. You know, Matthew chapter 24 is probably the chapter that, that Jesus spoke more about what to do on this earth and what the end of time would look like and how that we're to deal with it. So I want to pick it up. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated for, by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I mean, Jesus has given us this, this insight. He says there's going to be, you can expect there to be a lot of things happening. You can see signs, and, and uh, you'll see wars, and, and rumors of war, and conflict, and famine, and earthquake, and all these natural disasters. You know, we look back over time, and every generation has had those, haven't they? So we can't say, oh, just because it's doing this, that this is it. But you know what I'm told? There is an uptick in these events, if you were to look at the amount of earthquakes that are that happening happen now, even small ones, maybe we don't hear a lot about, compared to 100, 200 years ago, they have definitely increased. And the intensity, we hear about huge tragedies where thousands of people are killed, you know, uh, tsunamis and uh, earthquakes and all these things just, you know, we're just seeing an uptake and the uptick. And the Bible says that our earth is groaning to be released and groaning to be redeemed that our earth is experiencing that it's kind of struggling like many of us do as well. And whenever that happens, however, do not get obsessed by those things. Just understand it's a part of what God said would happen. Jesus also talked about persecution, persecution by outsiders, but he also talks about persecution by other believers. He says, you'll be despised by your faith. There will be a great falling away. Listen to this, the love of most isn't that interesting? Not just the love of many, but the love of most will grow cold, and only those who stand firm to the end will be saved. So there's going to be a lot of tragedy, and we're seeing that. We see that persecution around the world today where people are put to death because they believe in Jesus Christ, where people are, are pressured and persecuted all over the world. That's a sign of the, the coming end of time. But there's one real sign. I don't know if you notice, there's one real sign of the timing of the coming of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says, the gospel will be preached in the whole world, and then the end will come. It's interesting that he says all these things are going to happen, and they, they have down through years. 
However, the gospel has never been totally preached in the entire world. So here's the thing. If heaven is as great as we described it, as we think it might be, and I believe it's better than what we can even imagine, then we should anticipate Jesus' return, and we should do everything that we can possibly do to speed it up. And that means what we can do is we can share the gospel with the world. And that's why we're concerned about missions around the world and about breaking into new people groups so that one point the whole world will know when that point happens seemingly, then the world will come to an end. Now, how can you and I be a part of that? Well, obviously, at the mission of our church as we share the gospel in other places, but also in our own world. There are people in your world that do not know Jesus, maybe just need to be talked about. So that's part of our task to help bring all this to a culmination so that Jesus might come back. It's also interesting here that Jesus warned about false messiahs. You know, I've heard of many people being accused of being a, the, the Antichrist. For example, Mussolini was thought to be the Antichrist. And of course, Hitler was as well. Uh, but some people you may not expect, Henry Kissinger, maybe some of you guys remember this. Some people thought Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. I heard Prince Charles was the Antichrist, you know. Um, maybe some of our presidents have been thought to be the Antichrist as well. Uh, but in 1 John chapter 2, it says there are many Antichrists, many of them. So maybe, maybe all of them were, except Prince Charles. I think he's just a nerd. I don't, I don't really think he's the Antichrist. He's just kind of a nerd. All right. Anyway, but so people have all these guesses and all these ideas. You know, people use numerology to try to figure out when that day is going to be. I'll, I'll never forget when I was a young minister back in 1988, uh, I got in the mail several books entitled 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 88. And somebody had done all this work and a crazy, uh, an incredible amount of work for 88 reasons why Jesus was going to come back on August the 8th, 1988. I mean, 8, 8, 88. They had it all figured out and people were shuck up all over the place. Well, it didn't happen. So the next year it was 89 reasons why Jesus will come in uh, what, August the 9th, uh, 1989. It didn't happen. I got online and saw there was a Flickr page that said the second coming of Jesus would be on February the 16th, 2016. There were 15 members worldwide. 15 members. Obviously, they were wrong. They missed that. You may not know, but there's a prediction on October the 31st of this year, here in a week and a little over a week away, there's going to be a polar shift, global earthquake, magnetic polar reversal that will literally turn the world upside down, culminating in the Battle of Armageddon. Guess what? I don't know when Jesus will come back, but I'm pretty sure when it will not be. It will probably not be October the 31st. That's not going to happen. It's amazing how people spend so much time and energy trying to figure this out. And you know, we probably all heard of different views and theories about what Jesus' return will be like. Here's, I would encourage you to study them before you assume that anybody has the corner on all of that. The modern teaching today kind of assumes that there's only one way to look at it. And that's been fleshed out in a book, or not just a book, a series of books by a couple of guys named Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. They were called Left Behind. Who hasn't, read, who hasn't read a Left Behind book? By, by the way, there are 12 books in that series. So it's a lot of books to read. You could read for a long time. They sold millions of copies. Millions. They became millionaires, which I don't begrudge that. But it's all, you know, it's fiction. It's based on truth. But, it, but it's their slant on it. 
And we just say, oh, that's how it has to be. Well, that theory is only about 150 years old, which is really young compared to the you know, Bible and Christianity. It's only accepted by a very small segment of people, mostly in the United States. It's really flashy. It's intriguing. There's a lot of stuff with it, words like rapture that's, by the way, not in the Bible. And there's a lot of things in there, you know, uh, talk about two comings and not just one. They use all the historical events that may or may not have significance I would just encourage you to be very cautious about assuming, oh, that's the way it's going to be, just because I read this in a book. Because the Bible, you know, when you read those views, there are pros and cons. There are, you know, things that are confusing, things that may may not make sense. But you know what? We don't need to know all that stuff either. So I'm going to use the rest of our time that we have together here. I'm going to look at 20 things that we can know for sure about the second coming. And you're going, oh no, 20 points. He's got a 20-point sermon. You know, and you're, we're never going to get out of here. Well, that's, if you can stay with me, I'm going to get you out of here faster than you think, all right? But, but 20 things that we can know for sure about Jesus' return. And, and I want you to see these things as exciting. These are exciting things to think about because Jesus said, this is, this is definitely what's going to happen. All right, you ready to go? Put your seatbelt on, we go. Number one, Jesus himself will come again. Jesus to come back. 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. A beautiful picture. Number two, Jesus himself will receive us. John 14, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and, make, and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Number three, we will meet him in the air. However it happens, we're going to meet him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Number four, he will serve those who are found faithful. In Luke chapter 12, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will leave them will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It's kind of the picture of the Lord's Supper, isn't it? Where Jesus prepared himself to serve uh, his disciples. And that says that he's going to serve us as well. Number five, he will return to the earth. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Acts 1, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Number six, he will return in flaming fire. This has the idea of judgment. This will happen, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Number seven, he will come with power and great glory. Matthew 24, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in heaven with power and great glory. Number eight, he will stand on the earth. Stand on the earth. Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the end he will stand on the earth. Number nine, he will destroy the Antichrist, whoever they may be. 2 Thessalonians 2, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Number 10, he will sit on the throne of his glory. The great judgment throne we talked about. Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Number 11, he will sit on the throne of David. This kind of harkens back to the Old Testament. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Number 12, he will be given the nations, which I'm particularly happy about, all right? Psalms chapter 2, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. Number 13, he will gather all nations and judge them. Not so happy about that one. Matthew 25, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Number 14, he will return to the Mount of Olives. Remember we read just a few moments ago, Jesus was on the Mount of Olives when he started talking about this. Zechariah 14, on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split into two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. It's an amazing picture. Number 15, he will be given the kingdom of this world. The kingdoms of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever, Revelation 11. Number 16, he will be given dominion and power. Daniel chapter 7, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Beautiful picture. Number 17, all those who are in the grave will hear his voice. We talked about resurrection and how important that is. In John chapter 5, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. Even death will not deafen uh, the voice of Jesus Christ. Number 8, every eye will see him. Revelation 1, look, he is coming with the church of clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. Number 19, every knee will bow. Philippians chapter 2, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And number 20, we can speed up the coming of the Lord. I mentioned this earlier, 2 Peter chapter 3, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. How do we do that? (laughs) Guys, it's exciting to think about Jesus coming back. You know, we've talked about through this study how that if we don't know him, it's scary. But we also talked about if we do know him, it's exciting. We can anticipate that. We can say, man, this is great. This is awesome. It's going to happen, and it's going to be so amazing. There won't be any fear for us as believers. We'll be confident. We'll be full of peace. But during the time, meanwhile, we are called to occupy. We are called to do business for him, and that's what the church is all about today. That's what we're to be all about as individuals and corporately, to just keep doing, being faithful to what God has called us to do. And we're also called to be preparing ourselves to give an account of our lives to Him. And as we kind of come to our our conclusion of the message this morning, I want to challenge you on that because some of you have been here, you know, for the last five or six weeks and and you've heard these things and and I I just wonder what's going through your mind. I do because I, I think there are probably some here that would have to say, you know what, I'm not prepared for that day. I'm really not ready for Him to come back. I'm, I'm still afraid of that. If you're a believer, you're in Christ, I don't want you to be afraid, but 
But I do think fear is healthy and appropriate if you're not prepared. And if you don't know when Jesus comes back that you're going to be okay. John says, I write you these words in his uh, epistle so that you may know that you have eternal life. And and my heart's desire would be that nobody walks out these doors without knowing for sure that if Jesus Christ came today, which, by the way, do not think that because he hasn't come yet, it's not going to happen. It just means that we're closer than we've ever been. My heart would really be that you would never walk out of here unless you were confident that if Jesus came today or if your end came through your death, that you would be in the presence of God as soon as you died. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for all of us. And that begins with an acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, saying, I want to give my life to Christ because I understand that justice is served only by the death of Jesus. My sins are paid for not by my own goodness or anything I'm ever going to do, but because God loved me so much that he gave Jesus to die. And because of that, I want to give my life to him in return. That's the only way that we're going to have a a relationship with God and we're going to experience heaven. That's the only way we can have peace whenever Jesus comes back because he lived, he died, he was raised again, and now he's preparing a place for those who are his. And my heart is that you would accept him as your Lord and Savior if you have not done so. That's the only issue that's really going to matter at the end. The only issue. There are all kinds of things that we're going to deal with now, all kinds of discouragements, all sort of frustrations we're going to have. But all of those things are small compared to the big dilemma and the big question of what will happen when, when Jesus comes back. Because the truth is, is that the end is coming. We don't know when, but it is coming. Jesus is coming. And the question I have, are you ready for him to come? Here's how we're going to wrap up this morning. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your heads together. And I want to tell you that because we know that this message, that today is the day of salvation, please don't put this decision off any other time because we only have this moment, this moment right now. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go back to the back. And we have some other folks back there as well who, who are ready to talk with you. I know Tony's back there, and, and uh, Raph is back there. I'll be back there, some others. But, but just come to one of us, and we would love to talk about your relationship with Jesus so that if something happened, if Jesus came back or something happened to you, there would be no doubt. Please, please be confident of your relationship with him. And maybe there are issues in your life right now that you're struggling with that make it hard to to imagine what it would be like to follow Jesus. Maybe there are, are, are circumstances that you're in that you know are not right and you keep putting it off because you think, I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to drop that habit. I'm going to end that relationship. And I'll tell you, you'll never do that alone. Only through the power of God can we overcome some of these big issues. You decide and he will help you figure it out to make it right if you come into the compliance with with his will his word so my challenge today if you do not know him you have not given your life to christ would you please decide today as soon as i pray the music will start please move to the back we would love to talk to you about your relationship with him let's pray together heavenly father thank you for this study in the last few weeks lord i know that we've only scratched the sub the the the, the top of the surface of this lord God, that you have so much in store for us that we can't imagine. And we don't have to know that. We just have to trust you that, God, you're working all things out for our good, for our salvation. You've done that through Jesus. 
Lord, my prayer this morning, if there's those here who, who are not right with you, who don't know for sure, for certain, if they were to die today or if you were to send Jesus back, that, that they would be in heaven, that God, they would make sure to address that immediately. Give them the courage to step to the back, to make a decision to follow Jesus. God, thank you for your mercy, for your patience, for your grace. We worship you, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. We will 